Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the pod, a show I'm very excited about, we have Lee Jin, founder and general partner of Atelier Ventures, though she's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask her that much about. Lee, thank you so much for being here. Alexis, thanks so much for having me. I love the concept of this show and can't wait to have this conversation. Yay. Coming from you, that means a whole lot. Are you ready to dive in? So ready, I think. (laughs) (laughs) We love to see it. All right, let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Polywork. Polywork is building a new kind of professional social network. Whereas traditional professional networks focus on labeling you with just a job title, Polywork enables people to share what they actually do on a timeline. Right now, my profile says I'm a comedian, podcaster, content creator, speaker, and coffee lover. But you probably already knew that. Adding badges to your Polywork profile is fun and simple. I'm actually thinking of adding a few more. I'm deciding between Capricorn and Top Sheet Enthusiast. Maybe both. Want to join me on Polywork? Polywork is currently invite only, but you can go to polywork.com and use the code HelloHello to sign up now. Lee Jin is the founder and general partner of Atelier Ventures, an early stage VC fund focused on the passion economy and future of work. She was previously a consumer partner at Andreessen Horowitz, where she was a board observer for companies like Substack, Imgur, and more. Lee, welcome to Non-Technical. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's truly my pleasure. Okay, so I'm so excited that we get to chat. You and I know each other from, of course, the tech world, the creator economy world, the passion economy world, if you will. And I was super glad to become internet friends. And now hopefully we're going to get to see each other in New York this summer. Yeah. And convert our internet friendship to IRL friendship. That's a very special moment always where you can take the internet friendship and bring it into the world of the IRL. Yes. In Brooklyn. In Bro- <laughs> Yes, because I'm very hip now. <laughs> <laughs> so Lee, I know that you're very busy with work, but tell me this. If you can think back on it, how did you spend your last day off? Well, I recently went to Miami for the crypto week. Folks, she's in tech. It's been confirmed. You heard it here. Breaking (laughs) news on the pod. (laughs) Okay, so you were in Miami for crypto week. Wow. Okay, so set the scene for me. Yeah, that counts. Okay. Set the scene for me a little bit. What was the deal? I've never been to this week before in Miami. In fact, I haven't been to Miami since I was maybe 10 years old, Ooh. looped in with like a Disney World trip. Yeah. This was my first time experiencing Miami as an adult. Hmm. And I think it was a very special week because everyone had just been newly vaccinated and yes. we've all been cooped up for the past year plus. And this was the big first event that many of us had had experienced. Kind of like a debutante party. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a debutante ball for all of us our entrance back into society. Except instead of white dresses, it's a bunch of white sneakers. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I would describe it as a very violent reintroduction into the world of socializing. (laughs) A very violent reintroduction. Okay, great. I'm glad you survived. I am too. I mean, honestly, it was not a foregone conclusion because I got stung by a jellyfish (gasps) in the ocean. Did you really? Yeah. Have you ever been stung before? No, this is my first time. (laughs) How badly did it hurt compared to how bad you thought it would hurt? I didn't know that they were supposed to hurt at all. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. It it was really painful for the first 36 hours. 
Oh my God. Yeah. And I think I was the only person this whole week at the event to have gotten stung by a jellyfish. I haven't heard of anyone else getting stung by a jellyfish. So I think this was either really lucky or really unlucky. Well, you got chosen, you know, by the jellyfish. So that's something. Maybe you're going to have the next big crypto bet. Maybe this is an honor. Yes, I was definitely chosen by the jellyfish. That's right. You need to go all in on jellycoin. I think that was the sign. (laughs) (laughs) So you were in Miami and you said this was your last day off. Did you take any time off to do anything fun while you were there? Or was it just all crypto all the time? There was honestly very little work happening there. Oh, that's good. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I, I would describe it as a sloppy week. <laughs> a sloppy, violent reintroduction to interacting with other people. <laughs> exactly. So there was a lot of like going out, liquid consumption of calories. Yep. And then I went to New York for a few days after Great. that before coming home. And that was that was my most recent trip off. When you visit New York, is there any one thing you really have to do? Like any favorite place you have to go back to? It usually revolves around food. Of so Italian food, like eating Italian yes. food specifically, I try mm-hmm. to always make a trip to Morea on Central Park been. South. It's it's <gasps> my favorite. It's amazing. Okay. It's incredible. Wait, maybe that's where our IRL friendship meetup should be. Yeah. I'm always down to go to Morea. Yeah. I don't need much of an excuse to get good Italian food on Central Park South. <laughs> yes. So I try to do Morea and then what else? Lady M for their matcha crepe cake. Yum. Then I try to do Jack's Wife Frida. You know that oh, spot? Of course. Yeah. They have the most amazing, the thickest yogurt I've ever experienced in my life. Jack's Wife Frida is fantastic. I love honestly everything on the menu I've tried. Yeah. We're big fans, non-technical, big fans of Jack's Wife Frida on this podcast. And then I always stop by Jacques Torres chocolate okay. shop. Sure. I buy the chocolate covered cornflakes. I buy multiple boxes of them that and I just so good. Eat them throughout the year. Are you a big chocolate person? I am. I am. I love chocolate. So Me too. yeah, theirs is the best. And their chocolate chip cookie is the best chocolate chip cookie I've ever had. Wow. Okay. I'm officially 100% starving. That sounds amazing. I'm going to have to go get some chocolate covered cornflakes. I've never heard of that. Is that specific to their shop or is that something you've seen other places? I think that's the specialty of theirs. Chocolate covered okay. cornflakes. They do chocolate covered Cheerios as well, but I really recommend oh, the cornflakes. Wow. This is a cereal that I'm ready to get serious about. That sounds amazing. Okay. Going to have to check all of that out. Lee, have you ever been known as the something person, for example, the drama girl in high school or something from college or another job? I think it's changed a lot through the years. Oh, really? Yeah. In high school, I was like a crazy overachiever, which he might predict. I was the valedictorian. Of course, of my yes, high school. that feels right. That feels right to me. <laughs> so I think people just knew me as like that girl who like was doing everything all the time and very busy mm. and constantly excelling at everything. Yeah. Just thriving. Right. I loved high school. High school was incredible, by the way. Yeah. I know that's wow. like not a popular opinion, but I absolutely loved high school. I am so happy that that is how you felt <laughs> about <laughs> high school. <laughs> 
So what is it that you loved about it? I say this to people sometimes, but I feel like high school was this period in which I was like in a cocoon, very Mm. sheltered, very protected Mm -hmm. from the outside world. I didn't have to think about broader issues. I could just like really pick and choose what I was interested in and go super deep. I remember I just like basically lived in the library. I was at the library every single day in our little town and Mm -hmm. I would just pick up books that I thought were really fascinating and read them and like spend the whole day doing that. And I did that my whole life. I've been until I graduated from high school. So there was a period I went through like Princess Diana biographies because I was going through a Princess Diana phase. Sure. So I read every biography there was on Princess Diana. Then I went through a phase of Renaissance art. Okay. And going through all of the art history books about the Renaissance and Michelangelo and stuff like that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and doing sketches based off of those books. Oh, wow. Oh, were you an artist? Are you an artist? Yeah, I grew up taking art classes very intensively. Oh, really? Is that something you still do now? I do. Yeah, I, oh, I still nice. oil paint. Yeah, thanks. Really? <gasps> I do. I love oil paintings. Yeah, it's a really amazing way to, I don't know, just take a break from mm-hmm. the typical type of way that we use our brains. I always come out feeling very refreshed, like tired, mm-hmm. but refreshed. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. It definitely makes sense. There was a period of time, early 2020, maybe late 2019, when I had never watercolored a day in my life, but I decided to pick it up as a hobby because it was something creative I could do that didn't necessitate output or publishing. Because I write jokes, I perform comedy, yeah. I put out videos, now I make a podcast. All of my creativity more or less gets seen by other people right. as a product. And I wanted something where I could just relax, have fun, create, but have no burden of it being good or done or worthy of being shared. So I don't think I've ever, I've never posted anything about any of those. Hmm. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm very interesting. I get that a lot. Lee, you mentioned that you liked high school a ton and you also then followed that up by saying, I spent a lot of time reading alone in the library. And I think you liked high school so much because you didn't talk to other high schoolers. And I think that's really what you did better (laughs) than most of us. I think you would have had a different high school experience if you had interacted more teens. Yeah, everyone was just really nice to me in high school. Okay. It was bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just like got amazing grades. I was valedictorian. Everyone was super nice to me. By the way, I was also prom queen and I won the Nobel Peace Prize. Now we understand the (laughs) LinkedIn high school experience. (laughs) Very different from the rest of us. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't understand why people hate on high school so much. For Mm -hmm. me, it was really, really really amazing. And was this was in Pennsylvania? Yeah, this is okay. in suburban western Pennsylvania. Mm. Nice people there, right? Yeah, everyone's okay. very nice, like corn-fed Midwesterners. They respect hard work. They respect if you're passionate about something. Mm. I remember in high school, I actually started our recycling program because of, before uh, that... Yes, of course. <laughs> of course you did, Lee. As I mentioned, you saved the world. We saved the planet <laughs> in high school. <laughs> This is why you were awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Okay, continue. I noticed that we weren't recycling Mm. things. And and I remember in a quest to be healthy and to make all of the students healthy, they replaced all of the vending machines with snacks with vending machines for bottled water. So all of the students, we were consuming a lot of bottled water and throwing away all these bottles, but we weren't recycling them. So I decided to start a recycling program. Sure. And the way that it worked, because they couldn't hire anyone, they didn't have the budget to hire someone to take out all of the recycling and sort it and stuff. Mm -hmm. I just recruited other students to do this with me once a week 
week mm. after school. We would go around the entire school collecting all of the bottles and recycling and dumping it into the recycling bin. And I just remember thinking that it was kind of menial. I mean, if we were literally mm. burrowing around the trash cans yeah. and trying to separate cans out from yeah. stuff. But other students were so nice and like wanted to help me with this and, and do mm. this with me. And we had this team of 10 people who would stay late after school on Thursdays digging through the recycling and mm -hmm. sorting out all of the bottles. That was my high school experience. So That's it was really, nice. it was really amazing. That is really nice. And I think that something my school did this too, when you get involved in community service work like that young, it becomes a thing that is just a normal part of your life. Since I was very young, it was always something that I just did because you just did. And so then as an adult, I think that's made me more likely to put a fundraiser together or do a donation campaign or something or volunteer somewhere because it feels like something I've just always done. Yeah, exactly. That was very much instilled in us from, from a very young age in school. That's lovely. Wow. You had a nice high school full of good people. And I am, I'm very happy for you. <laughs> Thanks. Lee, is there a fad that you look back on participating in, and this could be something workout, something fashion, something cultural, whatever, that now makes you a little cringy? I mean, I participated in all the fads. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm really into fads. Let's see. I mean, I loved Limited 2 as a child. Sure. Do you okay. remember Limited 2? Of course I remember Limited 2. Where else could you get purple butterfly clips, hot pink, <laughs> like little pajama sets, glitter? I miss lots all of, of that. The blow up plastic <gasps> furniture. Yes. yes the yes. chairs. What did you have? The inflatable mm -hmm. chair. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the cloud pajamas. My best friend Romy had the cloud pajamas. I was so envious, but the glitter blow up chair, I had a purple glitter one with a butterfly on it. And that was all the rage at the time. Where did that go? I think we should bring it all back. I, love I actually think Gen Z loves that stuff. I, I see them... Right creating TikToks, going mm -hmm. through 90s catalogs and wishing they could buy the stuff. Wow. I feel a lot of emotions upon hearing that news. <laughs> Is old an emotion? I feel that. But that's very yeah. cool that they're bringing it back. They're bringing it back. All of the stuff that we grew up with is now back in style. Okay. You were a limited to girl back in the day. How did that manifest itself? Did you wear the stuff to school? Did you fill your room with it? I mean, there's behavior that I'm not even proud of. I would beg my parents to take me to really? Limited Two, and I would cry if they didn't. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What yeah, were your was... tactics to convince them? I knew that my dad has a zero tolerance for crying. Okay. Like if That's I cry, he will just do whatever Perfect. in his power to make it stop. Great. <laughs> my mom is more immune. She's She doesn't care. Okay. <laughs> so step one is go to dad. <laughs> step two yes. is start crying. Yeah. <laughs> And then that usually paid off. Yes, that would end up in a trip to Limited 2 when I was 10 years old. That's a great setup. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this podcast is going off the rails. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what's funny is that this is on the rails for non-technical. <laughs> this is 100% right down the middle. Okay, good. I love it. Yeah, you're, this is great. Speaking of your family, is there anything that your family did growing up that at the time you thought was normal, but later you realized was a little strange? I mean, everything we did was not normal. Okay. <laughs> How it so? was very much visible to me that it was strange. I mean, really? because I grew up in a very white American Midwestern uh -huh. neighborhood where yeah. there were like zero Asian people and I was sure. the only Asian person. Oh, really? Yeah. Everything we did was very abnormal. I would have friends over and they'd be like, your mac and cheese tastes Chinese. Or, oh my gosh. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I think it was just very in my face that, that mm. we were very different. Is there anything that felt really normal to you at the time? And then later when you grew up, you were like, oh, literally no one else does that. Maybe like living in the library during high school. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Honestly, I bet that's been kind of a shock for you having conversations where people are like, I hated high school. I was not cool. Yeah. What? (laughs) I'm like, high school was the best. You could just do whatever you wanted. (laughs) Truly. All you had to do was cry. Someone would take you to limited too. I had a bunch of nice (laughs) friends who'd help me sort through trash. And I learned a ton about Princess Diana. It was truly amazing. Yeah. I thought that was everyone's experience. That sounds great. Well, then let me ask you this. What is the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? So something super inconsequential that you would just really, really go to bat for. I've hated onions ever since I was born. Okay. Out of the womb. Fresh out the womb. No (laughs) onions. I cannot have onions around me. Really? Okay. What if someone else at the dinner table has onions? I hope that they eat it as quickly as possible so that I can spend the least amount of time seeing and smelling them. That's fair. My assumption is that this is onions in all form. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Like everything Mm -hmm. in the onion family. Oh, oh, whoa. Wait, what about like garlic? What about shallots? (laughs) Garlic, I'm newly okay with. It took me about Mm. 20 years to become okay with garlic. Wow, congratulations. Thanks. Now I can deal with garlic. (laughs) That's massive. The other items, no. No shallots? No shallots. When was the last time you tried a shallot? (laughs) I refuse to try a shallot because they're disgusting. (laughs) I love shallots. Yeah, it's just not okay. Like, I remember at my last company, back when I was still working in startups um, before venture capital, I remember we used to bring in trays of food for the company Mm -hmm. lunches. And there would be like a burger day Mm. where they would have a tray of raw onions. Dangerous. Who does that? Who puts raw onions on their burger, first of all? Yeah. People do. And the smell would pervade the entire floor. We had an open office and I sat in the furthest corner away from Mm. the kitchen, but I could still smell it and I would become so nauseous. (gasps) I would have to leave the office for three hours until they like cleaned up all of the lunch items so that I could go back. Well, then I understand why you're not willing to experiment with a shallot as delicious as they may be. Does that mean that things like salsa, not for you? Yeah, I don't do salsa. I mean, the extent to which I'll do salsa is I'll dip it in, get the juice, None of the chunks. Sure. And then eat it like that. Just like a wet chip. Just like a wet tomato dip. Totally. That sounds delicious. I get it. (laughs) You could make your own salsa, I guess, and not include onion. I always ask them to make it from scratch without onion. (laughs) You're joking, right? Are you serious? No, I'm serious. Here's another story. Like at a restaurant? This this goes so far back. I remember okay, okay in kindergarten, I went yeah. to kindergarten in Beijing. I grew up in okay. Beijing till I was six years old. Oh, amazing. And I went to this really fancy kindergarten that had a private chef. Oh. And wow. the private chef would make all of our lunches every day. To order? You would tell as a six-year-old, you'd say No, it'd chef. be the same item for everyone. Okay. okay. Scallions are a very, they're like a, a staple food in China, basically. They're like in everything. Yeah, they everything. Yeah, totally. They're in like fried rice. They're in all of the stir fries. They're in basically everything you cook. People just throw in chopped scallions, which I okay. always hated. And my parents sure. could never use scallions in their cooking because oh, of me. That's tough. And in kindergarten, what I would do is I would take all of the pieces of scallion and okay. just leave them in my bowl and eat around it. Okay. Until one day my teacher was like, you're supposed to eat that. You need to like, clean yeah. your plate. I put it in my mouth and immediately had a gag reflex (gasps) and had to like run to the bathroom to 
throw up because oh it my just God. like it, it made me feel so disgusted. Are you allergic to onions? Is that a possibility? I don't know. I don't think I'm allergic because if I manage to actually eat them, like nothing terrible happens. I don't. Yeah. I don't die or anything. But I, it's just. Wow. It, but you're very averse. Yes. yes. Okay. And from that day on, mm-hmm. I began putting all these little scallion pieces into my desk, into my desk drawer. Oh my goodness! So that I wouldn't have to. <laughs> eat them. Okay. And I remember like at the end of the school year, I think the teachers were like checking all over us to make sure that we took everything. And mine oh had like God. scallions all over. Oh my God. All over my oh drawer. my God. That is so funny. What a six-year-old move, but honestly very pro because then you didn't have to do the whole battle anymore about where the scallions go. Joke was on them though, having to clean the desk out. <laughs> I agree. Now I understand you have such a visceral reaction to them that I wouldn't want to like go out to dinner and order onions, I would feel very bad. Thank you. That is so nice of you. Of course. Well, when we go to the Italian restaurant we're going to go to on Central Park South, there's going to be a lot of garlic because it's Italian, but I think we can order around the onions. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I I don't think they use that many onions. Perfect. It's, It's really great. They do use garlic, which I'm fine with now. I'm really happy for you that you're fine with garlic. I do feel that that will improve your quality of life significantly. In fact, (laughs) Okay, so the tiniest till, onions, no bueno. Damn, that's fascinating. Lee, what is something non-work related that you're really proud of? I think I'm a really good daughter to Hmm. my parents, if I do say so myself. Presumably they would agree. Yeah, I think so. This is, by the way, whenever people invite me to do anything dangerous, like skydiving Mm. or anything, I'm like, no, I can't do that because... Even though I'm not an only child, I'm their favorite child. And God forbid something happened to me. (laughs) What would they do? Oh my God, they could not go on. They would be left with the less favorite ones. But they would probably be able to use green onion. So (laughs) pros and cons. There's pros and cons. (laughs) I very much feel like I have a close relationship with my parents and I'm quite proud of that. Yeah. That's really sweet. And you have been able to spend some time at home with them, right? During the pandemic? Yes. I'm actually, I'm here in Pittsburgh right now because mm-hmm. I came back for my mom's birthday. Oh, that's so sweet. What has I it know. been like to be back with them? Any trips to Limited 2? Well, I've done research on Limited 2 and unfortunately they're defunct now. So that's really devastating. We can't go <gasps> Wait, anymore. Lee, what if we did like a, we could do like a pop-up that has like only Limited 2 style stuff. And we get it on eBay? Yes, that would be so fun. That would be amazing. And we'd invite all of like the 90s girls. Yes, perfect. I love that. And then Gen Z can come and it can be an educational experience. (laughs) Yes, we'll give them a guided tour. It'll be like visiting the Museum of Natural History, except it'll be like, this is what a bedroom was like in 1999. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so limited to is defunct, which is sad, but you've been home with your parents, which is nice. I have been. It's been so nice. Honestly, spending the last couple of weeks traveling in Miami and New York has Mm -hmm. taught me that I've kind of like lost all of my adulting skills. Oh, interesting. Because of this extended period of time at home. Hmm. Just like knowing how to feed myself, planning ahead. Yes. Right? Anticipating that I'll be hungry at this time and like prepping for that. I can't do that anymore. Me neither. I am so with you on this. I ate one meal a day when I was in Miami. Sure. And congrats on getting the one meal because honestly, I will forget to eat for hours at a time and then I will have a meeting or I'll somewhere I'm supposed to be and I can't eat and I have not planned ahead and I end up grabbing like mixed nuts from a bodega and then that's my meal. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's terrible being on your own without having someone to like feed you and anticipate that for you. 
If there's many hours that go between me appearing downstairs and eating food, my mom will proactively come up. This happened the other day. She proactively comes up. I'm like lying in bed at the end of the day because I'm so tired and I'm just like sprawled in bed. She appears at the door. She has a paper towel in her hand and she just silently walks over to my bed, unfurls the paper towel, reveals a piece of bacon and just (gasps) like wordlessly puts the piece of bacon in my mouth. Oh my God. And I'm like, this is the life. Lee, that is the life for sure confirmed. That's amazing. I was not expecting that you were getting full last mile to mouth <laughs> delivery of the bacon. That was a plot twist. Without me requesting. It just happens like telepathically. Wow. She just knows if I'm hungry. So COVID has been amazing from that perspective. I know that's like a terribly privileged thing to say. It's obviously been a tragic time for a lot of mm-hmm. people and very stressful, but I think the silver lining for me has just been being at home and spending so much time with my family, which I can't imagine another world in which this would have happened. True, same. True, same. What is one thing that you are not looking forward to returning to adulting wise? You mentioned that you've lost a lot of your adulting skills. So much. I haven't done so much for the past year. I haven't Mm -hmm. gone grocery shopping for myself. I haven't paid rent. Sure. Can I tell you, I think that I hate grocery shopping in a rational amount, but I really hate it. Why? I hate it because I, top to bottom, it's a terrible experience in my opinion. We'll start with the beginning. Number one, I'm terrible at cooking and I do not like to cook. So going to the grocery store to buy ingredients is a miserable experience for me because I don't just know what I need to pick up. I need to go in with a list. So then you have to prepare mm-hmm. a whole list. Who has time to do that? I don't want to do it. So then I get into the grocery store. I immediately just black out, like no idea what I was going to buy. I'm like going up and down the aisles, like maybe this, maybe that. There's people fucking everywhere bumping into me. Stuff is out of stock, which I think should be fucking illegal, ridiculous. And I just hate it. And then, and then on top of that, you have to carry the bags home when you're done. I'm just over it. I will say grocery shopping in New York is worse than grocery shopping anywhere else. I agree. I am clearly describing the experience of grocery shopping in New York, but actually San Francisco too. Dude, that Whole Foods on market in the Castro, same stuff. If you go at the wrong time. Yeah. I think you're describing like grocery shopping in cities without a car. Yeah, I am. Which really sucks. I prefer grocery shopping in the suburbs. Where you can put stuff into your car. It makes a big difference when I would grocery shop with my mother in the suburbs of Sarasota, Florida, where she lives and where I spent part of the pandemic. It's a big difference for sure, but I still detest it. I think I'm on grocery delivery for life. Yeah. I'm a lifer. It's good for the economy. You're providing jobs. You know what, Lee? Thank you for that positive spin because most people I know would refer to that as lazy. So I think now moving Mm -hmm. forward, I'm just going to be like, well, I'm, I'm sorry. Do you hate the economy? It's specialization. It's perfect. That's great. Wow. I'm so glad that we talked through this. (laughs) I do think that having lost all of my adulting skills, Mm -hmm. the best place for me to live is probably New York. I think you're right. Because it's basically adulting as a service. Everything, (laughs) every element of being an adult can be farmed out as a service. That's right. Adulting as a service. So ass. Yes, I didn't realize that. Okay. (laughs) No, that could be your next. (laughs) That could be the next big space. Let's make it happen. Perfect. I think you're right. I think New York makes it very easy to not have to do a lot of the things that without a car are very difficult. And I think that's obviously just born out of function or rather born out of necessity. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Trying to think of the most ridiculous thing I've ever had delivered in New York. Oh my Mm. God. When I used to live in New York, 
in my early twenties, mm-hmm. I would get my breakfast delivered daily to my desk <laughs> at work and it would be one Greek yogurt. Okay. Plus one banana. I would get that seamless oh, to me. Oh my goodness gracious. Well, is that terrible? I'm not going to shame you. I'm simply going to say that you supported the economy and thank you for Indeed. and great job and America. I mean, it wasn't even that expensive. Yeah. I am now seeing a trend between the bacon being brought to you and placed in your mouth and now the daily breakfast delivery being brought right to your desk. I think I'm we're drawing some connections here. Because I agree, like grocery shopping in New York was terrible. terrible. So I never went grocery shopping. I would yeah, get awful. everything delivered to me on an as needed basis. Yeah, those needs are real. I really think that's great. I don't think that's terrible. And that sometimes you just do what you need to do. That is the other thing about being in New York, or at least in my life in New York, very busy. Lots of meetings or social events or just places to go, things to do, et cetera. And it leaves very little time for what feels mm-hmm. like extra stuff. Mm-hmm. I agree. So grocery shopping is extra stuff. I agree it is. Anything, yeah. Yes, <laughs> I agree. I really hate it. I hate it an irrational amount, though. I'm wrong. I know that I'm wrong. And I still, I don't know. I'm just being true to myself. You're supposed to be true to who you are. So, Lee, if you were not doing venture capital, what would you be doing professionally? Hmm. I love working with little kids. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, I would probably do something in education involving kids. That's so nice. Have you worked in that space before? I have. Yes. A few different ways. Let's see. In college, Mm -hmm. I used to do this mentorship program Mm -hmm. for girls who were in elementary to middle school on a weekly basis. I would take the tea into Boston and work at this school in the city. And we would go through case studies of strong women throughout history and learn about them. Yeah, that was really nice. And then after college, I spent a summer living in Uganda. Oh, wow. Where I taught photography to a group of middle schoolers. Wow. So you've definitely worked with kids before. And is there something in particular you would want to do with them? It sounds like education would be at the forefront. Yeah. Education specifically, I think like creative education. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds so nice. Maybe something with painting or something with art. Yes. Any sort of self-expression I think is very empowering and and confidence inspiring. Is that something that had an impact on you when you were growing up? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I think the one constant in my life from living in China to growing up in the U.S. was Mm -hmm. this thread of taking art classes throughout Mm -hmm. and having that hobby to turn to. That's so nice. I agree. I was trying to think if I've had like a true through line, but I guess I studied acting for a long time. Yeah. And comedy became the thing that I turned to as a hobby, but it was really just a continuation of acting for me. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm. I can see that. I feel like it's a touchstone and it's kind of nice to have those touchstones you can go back to, especially if you're ever flailing or things in your life are sort of going in many different directions. You can return to some of those. Something that no one can ever take away from you. Mm -hmm. What do you do with your paintings now? Right now they're in storage in California. (laughs) Nice. No, I also have some downstairs. I say that I take commissions and that they're for sale, but whenever Mm. people write in to actually ask to buy them, I always tell them they're not for sale. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a very heightened form of exclusivity. (laughs) Exactly. I think it's just really difficult to part with them because it's like a piece of my soul, right? Mm -hmm. They're my children. And I remember the moment 
that I was making them, how I was feeling, what kind of day it was, everything going on in my mind. And it's like a piece of me. And so to just sell that to a stranger that I don't know, Mm. I feel like I would always worry how it was doing and like Mm -hmm. if it was being taken care of, if it was in a nice home. I can't just like part with them like that. The only people that I've given my paintings to have been really, really close friends. And even then I'm kind of like, uh, I wish I could ask for it back. Really? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I do. (laughs) I haven't asked for any of them back, but you think about it. Okay. Well, do you ever visit the paintings in those homes? I do. I do. And I look at them longingly, like, I can't believe I gave you up. Oh, but if it's with your friends, at least it's with somebody that you know will treat it really well. <laughs> totally, totally. But then I wonder, do they appreciate it as much mm. as they deserve to be appreciated? That's a good question. That's a good <laughs> question. <laughs> so that's what I do with my paintings. I mostly keep them for myself and just have them scattered throughout the house. Yeah. Are there any in your parents' home? Oh, yeah. There's a bunch. They're all downstairs. We basically converted the dining room into this art studio. My mom's also a painter. Oh, she is. Oh, that's so lovely. Is that how you got into it? Yeah, she was actually she she put me in my first art class when I was five years old. So they're all over the place. The dining room has been Mm. totally consumed with paintings. My favorite art in wherever I'm living is always art that friends of mine have made. I have a friend who is the most talented photographer I know. And so whenever there's a gift giving opportunity, he gives me a framed photo of his. And it just, I love looking around my apartment and being like, not only is that gorgeous to look at, but it was one of my best friends that took it, you know? That's probably how people feel, by the way, when you give them your painting. I hope so. So think of that joy that they're getting. Yes, (laughs) that's like the best possible scenario. I think that's how they feel probably. I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. I haven't asked. And also, I don't know who they are. But my assumption is that that's, <laughs> that's the vibe. So, Lee, this is a two-part question for you. Part one, who would play you in a movie about your life? And part two, should this movie be a biopic? So birth to present day? Or should we focus in on a specific chapter in your life? Oh, my God. What a question. Honestly, the corpus of Asian actresses to choose from, mm. I don't know that many. Yeah. I like Aquafina. Great. I love Aquafina. Yes. I think she would actually be quite suitable for this mm-hmm. because she's quite awkward, as mm. am I. So she would nail that part of it. You feel like you're awkward? Yes. <laughs> In all circumstances or are there particular circumstances? <laughs> I think socially awkward. Mm. In hopefully like a cute way. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we can hope for, right? <laughs> Well, I'm personally having a great time. Oh, thanks. Yeah, (laughs) you're welcome. But I agree that Aquafina, she's a great actress. She's also had a a rap career. So I don't know if you've had any rap in your past, but if there is a rap chapter of the Legion story, then Aquafina's got it. Just at karaoke and in my car. I think she would be really good. And the second part of your question, like what part of it would she depict? Mm -hmm. I think it would be the whole thing. Honestly, it's it's been so interesting throughout, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I mean, if you don't find your own life interesting, who will? Seriously. Come on. Yes. To quote RuPaul, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Mm -hmm. Truly. I mean, I think the work period Hmm. should probably be condensed a little. Okay. Maybe a montage. Yeah. Like little skits. Yeah. Because I feel like once you start working, every day is kind of the same. Yeah. 
Well, what we could do is we could probably do a montage that covers everything up to your current work, running your own venture fund, because I think what we could try to demonstrate is like, it was all sort of the same. And then you took this big pivot, which could be kind Mm -hmm. of an interesting part of the story, whether or not that's reflective of real life. I don't know, but it could be a fun way to portray it in the film. Yeah, I like that. That's a good idea because I think, for instance, like the first year out of college or mm-hmm. working a corporate job, every day was literally the same. Wow. That's really And I wouldn't want to subject viewers to that. Yeah. Even to me, I feel subjected to that knowledge and it was a bummer. So I certainly... <laughs> <laughs> every day was the same breakfast from Seamless, yes, exactly. the yogurt and the banana. <laughs> <laughs> that could be part of it. Okay. So here's what we could do, really. It could be like a montage of all the same things that would happen every day. So it would be like yogurt and banana hits your desk, right? And then it's like you go to the same meeting and then you probably would stop. I don't know if you had time to go to a drink after work, but like stop by the same place after work and then go home. And then we would show again that same thing, but it would get faster and faster. So it was just like cut, cut, It was like Groundhog Day. Exactly. I remember I would go to the same place for lunch every day. Dishes. Really? Do you know dishes, Midtown? You probably don't go to Midtown. (laughs) I know dishes, but yeah, I was going to (laughs) say... It's where all the suits have their lunch. That's right. I've actually definitely been to a dishes because sometimes you have a like a rogue doctor's appointment in New York and you end up getting lunch at the the weirdest place in the world. Yes. Now I try not to go but 14th Street. I was going to say the same exact thing, but I thought it would make me sound... But at least we both sound terrible together. Isn't that better? There's I mean, and I'm saying it as someone who used to live in Midtown. That's right. So you can say that because you used to live in Midtown. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. great. I've paid my dues. You really did. I'm now a refugee from Midtown. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What is the most memorable gift that you've ever given or received? I just got a really great gift this morning. I got three NFTs. Did you? Really? It's for my birthday, which is coming up. Oh my God. I thought you were going to say, which is today. (laughs) No, it's like, how dare you? It should be illegal to spend time with someone on their birthday and for that not to be the first thing that they share with you. Agree or disagree? I think it's all too common in the working world for it to be someone's birthday and they go throughout their workday without anyone realizing. That should not happen. It happens in Midtown. That is exactly where it happens. Or there's like some sad sheet cake in a break room with a Keurig somewhere. <laughs> oh my God, that's so bleak. This is, I know. This is depressing. I, again, me. it was as soon as I said it, it was a bummer. Yeah, okay, so bummer. you got three NFTs for your birthday, which is coming up, but is thankfully not today. It's not today. <laughs> yeah, so I got three NFTs. There are these mm-hmm. little like characters called axes. They're very cute. They look like puffer fish. Oh, yeah. You can use them in this game called Axie Infinity, which is this blockchain based game. And they can participate in battles and you can earn these items that you can then sell to make money. So you're actually like playing a game and making real money at the end of the day. So it's like if you don't work enough and you want to work while you play. So actually there's countries in which you can earn a full-time living just by doing this. Is it fun? I've been told it's very fun. I haven't played yet, but I am now equipped with the items to be able to play. Honestly, I kind of want to play too. That sounds really fun. Yeah, I agree. And it's just so 
interesting that Hmm. you can play games and make money now. Yeah, I'm into it. I've said this before on the show. I mean, I love a good roller coaster tycoon. I used to really love The Sims because they are simulated scenarios where you are earning money and allocating resources and building a skill set and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. Honestly, I'm probably going to follow up with you after this and get the name of that game (laughs) because it sounds really fun. Yes. Yeah. Axie Infinity. So I got three Axies. They're really adorable. Did you name them? Do you, is that part of the game? Oh, I should probably name them. I haven't yet named yeah. them. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to brainstorm on that. They're all okay. very like puffy and chubby looking, which is oh, very cute. They sound really cute. I'm like really into now accumulating like virtual stuff versus okay. physical stuff. I don't sure. want anything physical anymore okay. in my life. Great. <laughs> That's like an overstatement. But when people ask me what I want as a gift, I no longer know what Mm. to say. I've reached that point in life where I no longer need anything. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, virtual pets, virtual items, virtual artwork, like that's Mm. really cool. I'll take that. That is really cool. I -hmm. still like stuff as well. Stuff is good for me, but I totally see the appeal of virtual things, especially because I too have a storage unit in California full of stuff. Yes. And I realized that I don't miss any of that stuff. Why did I have so much stuff? I know. I do miss some of it. Like every once in a while, there's a coat that I can't wear because it's in a storage unit in South San Francisco that I've never even been to. Yes. The clothing is the only stuff that I would like to get back. But, you know, the pots and pans and couch. I actually have a dope couch. I miss my couch. Okay. Okay. It's very beautiful. It's like not that comfortable, but it looks great. That's all that matters. (laughs) Yeah. Turns out that is not all that mattered when we all had to work from home 100% of the time. The karma really hit me pretty hard there. But otherwise, yes, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think you can have a beautiful couch that's cool Mm -hmm. to look at. And then you you should probably get another couch that's for function. You're right. Okay. So for my next gift, whoever's listening, I need a comfortable couch. I'd like an L-shaped couch. Honestly, I would love an L-shaped couch, but Lee, mm, I'm going to need an apartment where I can fit an L-shaped couch. So it's really a two-part gift for me. Oh, okay. So you're asking for both an apartment as well I'm as I'm just putting it out there into the universe. If someone's like, oh, oh, what should I get Alexis? Her half birthday is coming up in a month. Then yeah, I'd say like an apartment and then also an L-shaped couch to go inside it. That feels like a lot of commitment. You think so? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're signing up for a lot. <laughs> People say like, once you get a couch, you can't move. Oh, that's crazy. As we, I mean, I know that's crazy. My couch is in a storage unit and I'm not there. But like it did add significant friction to yeah. move out. It really did, though, because I didn't want to sell it because it's like a custom little number. Mm, right. I don't know why I have such a fancy couch. It's honestly the fanciest thing that I own. So I really couldn't part with it. I used to live in a way where I felt like I could just leave at a moment's notice and never come back. Oh. <gasps> Powerful. The first year that I moved to California, I did not own a couch. I did not own a table. I did not own a dining table. Whoa. I only had a bed in my apartment and it was a one bedroom apartment. Where did you sit? On the floor. No, you didn't. No, I did. And I ate like off the top of a box, a cardboard box. Wow. Yeah. What was the box from? The move, I think, from New York. I mean, for a week, I ate off of a Casper mattress box when I was moving in. Yeah. And I did that because I felt like What if I decide that I don't want to live here anymore? What if I decide to go back to New York? What if I don't like it here and I need to just leave with my carry-on? And you could have. And then you did. And then I did. But before I did, I got two couches and (gasps) a coffee table and a desk and a dining table. So 
This is going to be a nice part of the movie, I think. This is going to show character growth. We're going to establish that you're very commitment phobic when it comes to location. And then there will be a moment where you will have you at the store buying the first couch or something. Or there will be an apartment reveal. I think this is going to be a really nice visual way to demonstrate your growth over time, personally. But I kind of regret buying all of that. Oh, no. Why? Because now I don't have any need for it. I know. Well, you're going to move somewhere eventually, don't you think? I don't know. <laughs> That's how I feel. Well, I'm sure at some point we'll deal with our stuff, Lee. <laughs> it might be in storage for the next 30 years. It just might. What then? I'll take a photo of it and then sell the photo as an NFT to pay for the storage. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Polywork. Polywork is building a new kind of professional social network. Whereas traditional professional networks focus on labeling you with just a job title, Polywork enables people to share what they actually do in a timeline. Something I love about Polywork is their no systems of stress philosophy. So no public follower counts or likes or any of that. Just you and a free space to share what you do, part of a wider discoverable network. We all know that true self-satisfaction comes from within and from coffee. Am I talking about coffee a lot today? I'm going to go get another coffee. Want to join me on Polywork? Polywork is currently invite only, but you can go to polywork.com and use the code hello, hello to sign up now. And we're back with Lee Jin, the founder and general partner of Atelier Ventures. Lee, we have come to a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. We've arrived at the lightning round. Are you ready? I'm so ready. You're so ready. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Black. How do you take it? Black. black. Yes. My girl. We love. <laughs> iOS or Android? iOS. Is that even a question? Not really. <laughs> Some people say Android every once in a while and I'm like, oh, interesting. And then you boot them off the show. Well, then I'm like, it's unfortunate we'll never text, but good to know yes. about you it's and your values. It's unfortunate that you can never be friends with that person because right. you can and never I just make a little mental note in my head. That's all. Do you have a favorite board game? Hmm. I like shoots and ladders. Do you really? Who do you play that with? No one anymore because no one yeah. plays with me. <laughs> but I used to play it with all my friends growing up. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. That's a nice game. I have to tell you, though, that is a luck-based game, and I do not like luck-based games. I am floored that you picked a luck-based game. I had you pegged as a skill-based person. I think the luck-based games, they have an airiness and lightness about them because it's not in your control. Wow, Lee, that literally sounded like a meditation. That was beautiful, and I feel at peace, but I literally could not disagree more. I'm like, someone will be winning, and I am optimistic it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever read a book twice? Oh, many. What do you think is the book you've read the most? I've read the entire Harry Potter series multiple times. Oh, really? Do you have a favorite book within the series? Well, the way that I used to approach this was every time there was a new book that was going to come out, because mm -hmm. I grew up with the books when they were coming out every year, Yep. I would read every preceding book once again, just to get up to I speed would do again. that too. Yes. So yes. I've read the first one like at least six or seven times, right? Yes. But then I've read, you know, four, five, six, yes. fewer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lot of people did that. I mean, it was just such an amazing experience growing up with that series. I really feel bad for Gen Z for not having that. I know. I know. But they they judge us real hard. They do. Much they do. But they just don't get it. <laughs> they just don't get it. You had to be there. You really had to be there. Do you have a pump up song? Hmm. No, I don't think I do. Really? Do, do you ever listen to it? What about a certain... 
<laughs> do you listen to a certain genre of music when you want to get like fired up? Okay. When I want to get fired up, I do this breathing yeah. exercise. Really? Yeah. I don't do music. I do a breathing exercise. It takes 11 minutes. It's, it's called the Wim Hof method. The Wim Hof method. It's a breathing exercise and it gets you, is it focused, relaxed? inspired both really yes it just clears your mind and makes you feel very focused very relaxed it brings down any sort of like nervousness or if your heart's going crazy before some big meeting like if you do this it will put you in this like totally focused calm state wow i should try that okay i'm gonna look that up it's on youtube wim hof wim hof okay the wim hof yeah amazing Lee, this is my final question for you. What would you title your memoir? I don't know, but I've often thought about writing a memoir. Really? So there will definitely be one. I just don't know the title yet. Maybe something. So we had art as a theme, space, commitment. The title of the memoir that I really love, which has already Mm. been taken, it's Amy Tan's memoir. I think she Mm. called it The Opposite of Fate. Ooh. Which Mm. I really love. I love that idea of like defying fate and... You know, when you're born, if you were a statistician, there's like a way that you would have predicted their life to go mm-hmm. based on their circumstances or their yes. parents or whatever. I feel like Amy Tan and me, we both just totally defied that and went in a completely different direction. That's such a cool concept. So there's got to be something there. There's something about like the other something, right? I mean, the other path is too boring. Could be like the second couch because you <laughs> bought two couches. <laughs> <laughs> There's something. That sounds like a book about refurbishing secondhand (laughs) furniture. (laughs) That does not feel like the vibe we're going for. Maybe something about delivery, on demand. I'm going to think on this. Yeah, we'll think about it. This is perfect. We'll have something to talk about over dinner. Right. Or at our limited two pop-up. Whichever (laughs) comes first. There's a lot on the to-do list. We are going to have a busy summer. (laughs) <laughs> we have to go to ebay and look up all of the old That's items right oh my god i think i've signed us up for a giant adventure maybe we'll just get some blow-up furniture get some drinks and call it a day <laughs> <laughs> lee thank you so much for coming on non-technical this has been such a pleasure i would love to know where can people find more about you they can check me out on twitter which is probably mm-hmm. my most active channel it's lgen18 that's my handle or i publish sometimes on Substack, (laughs) lee.substack.com. And then you can check out all of my investing work-related stuff at atelierventures.co. Fantastic. And you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at non-technicalpod on Twitter. Lee, one more time, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yay, talk to you later. All right, talk later. Bye. 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 